Guys, I hate this. Is, uh, uh, Aspen, go ahead and tell me if we're presenting. I can't see it on my system. Yes, yes we, we are. are. Um, yes, we are. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and present. We've got uh, welcome today. We've got, we're excited to have uh, a guest. His name is Chuck. Um, I'm having some computer problems. I'm hoping that we're going to get through some of the, uh, the challenges this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, LP Little A. Chuck's got a very interesting LP Little A story. Um, I'm going, because of our challenges with the technology this morning, I'm going to skip through our preliminary information and go straight into um, the discussion. Oh my goodness. Uh, I tell you what, Chuck, you know what's happened? Uh, we've got the wrong, <laughs> Chuck, why don't you just tell us your story and okay. let me see if I can get my technology okay. set up while we're doing no problem. This. Well, glad to be here. Hi everybody. Um, I've been uh, following Dr. Brewer's videos for some time since the uh, shaky paper days. Well, I don't know if since the shaky paper days, but I've seen a lot of the, I've gone back and watched a lot of the old stuff. So I've seen a lot of the shaky paper videos, but um, yeah, great to be here. Um, my, my story basically, um, I, I do have a family history of uh, some early deaths in the family uh, from heart disease. Um, I never knew my grandfather on my mother's side uh, because he died before I was born, died at age uh, 52 of a heart attack. Um, turns out he had a cousin that died at age 44 of a heart attack. And then his father, so that would be my maternal great grandfather died at age 54 of a heart attack. So um, I have a brother a couple years younger than me and we were always kind of, you know, aware of this. We were aware that there might be a serious genetic predisposition to heart disease in our family. So we, we tried to um, live healthy lives. We tried to, you know, exercise, control our weight, eat healthy, you know, not eat fast food and watch our LDL levels and all that stuff that they, that's recommended. Um, but then uh, a couple of years ago, I, uh, a heart murmur was detected in a physical and uh, ended up being sent to a cardiologist um, who wanted to run, you know, thought it'd be a good idea to run a whole bunch of uh, tests on me, echocardiogram and EKG. And he also ran an advanced lipid panel called a cardio IQ from Quest Diagnostics. And um, so I'm the kind of person I like to look over my lab work and, and kind of if I see something that says hi, I'll research it. So the cardio IQ is a great report. It gives you all kinds of not only standard lipid panel, it's an advanced lipid panel, and it gives you all kinds of particle size information, particle counts, particle size. And another thing that it gives you is um, something I had never heard of before called um, lipoprotein little a, or abbreviated LP little a. And um, I, I'm looking at the category, the line item for that, and I see uh, an H, a bold H next to that. Oh, that, that's elevated. that means it's elevated. And I looked at my, my count and it was 243 nanomoles per liter. The reference range was 75. You're not supposed to be over 75. Over 75 is elevated. So that, that caught my attention because um, I was over three times the, uh, the reference range. So um, I started researching it and um, that's actually how I found Dr. Brewer's channel because he's got some some really good videos out there on LP Little A, and some of them are from the, the shaky paper days. But he's got he covers a lot of the bases with LP Little A. I learned a lot from Dr. Brewer. Uh, there's a lot of other videos out there. I, I read a lot of um, papers, published uh, literature on LP Little A, and um, realized this is a very very serious issue. Um, it's, it's something where if you have high levels, um, it can lead to heart attack um, in, your, in your 40s, 50s. In fact, very often when you hear about somebody who has a heart attack in their 40s and 50s, 
or has chest pains that lead to stents, you'll find upon further investigation that it, it is LP little a as, as the culprit. And a lot of times it goes unnoticed. Unfortunately, the medical community um, is, is kind of oblivious when it comes to knowledge of, of LP little a. There, there's, I, I don't know, you're probably talking about less than 5% of the doctors in the country that are LP little a literate. Dr. Brewer, you what you probably have a pretty good handle on that. It, it's it's a low number. Go ahead. And and so we also, you know, kind of putting two and two together, we said, wait a minute. Um, grandpa died at 52, and and it's also highly genetic. It's it's not, it's not, it's a, it's unlike LDL. LDL you can control with um, diet and exercise, and then if, if you can't get it low enough, you can take a statin. But with um, LP little a is different. It's genetic. And there's really diet and exercise have no effect, virtually no effect on it. So that's one of those things where you go, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what, what can I do? It's highly genetic, which means, you know, if, if you have it, you know, I have a brother. So um, we had him tested. I have two children, two biological children, and I had both of them tested um, and I had my parents tested. And it turns out, sure enough, my brother has sky high levels like me. He's in the 240, 250 nanomole range, just like me. Uh, one of my children is totally normal. And one of, one of them has very high levels. She's uh, not as high as me, but she's about 150. And my mom, my mom had a, a level of 200 nanomoles per liter. And so, my dad, my dad was totally normal, by the way. So you can you can see you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out. Okay, almost certainly it came from my mom. Her dad died at 52 of a heart attack. We're pretty certain that that, that was the cause. And um, so um, what what we did next was, uh, you know, again, my my I had done a lot of research on it. My cardiologist. He wasn't real knowledgeable about it. He knew some things about it. Um, and uh, I, I felt like I wanted to, you know, he didn't seem very concerned about it, quite honestly. And I, I think a lot of times people get that high score and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Brewer, but a lot of times people get that high score and it just goes unnoticed. It does. It does. You know, it, you, you've brought up a whole bunch of things. And as you know, we've got a deck, if I can ever get my technology to work over on this side, which can help explain a little bit about why it's genetic, um, what proteins are made uh, in, your, in your family. Um, it's, the L, it's a variation of the protein that forms LDL, and it's got a thing on it called um, Kringle repeats. The Kringle repeats look like a little hook hanging off. Now, a lot of folks think that actually makes it sticky, that it hooks to the, um, to the artery wall. There's another mechanism. Some people, uh, and it could be a little bit of both mechanisms where it's not really clear which mechanisms actually uh, are having an impact. Um, the protein that forms LDL and the related pro uh, protein, especially in your family that forms uh, LP little a, is very uh, much related to the proteins that form clots. So the, uh, the question, the potential mechanism there is that, it's, um, that there's some increased uh, clot forming activity. Have, have your doctors uh, talked to you about either of those? Yes, um, the, there's basically the issues, the three major issues with LP little a are um, increased risk of atherosclerosis, increased risk of um, aortic stenosis, valve calcification, and venal thrombosis. If that, is that, would that be correct? Say those three would be the, uh, the three major um, risks. And so for me, what we did was um, I, I wanted to dig a little deeper and to see what was going on. So um, in consultation with my cardiologist, we agreed to get a, uh, decided to get a, a, a CAC scan done. The calcification in my coronary arteries. And some people with high levels of LP little a, um, and by the way, my level at 243 nanomoles puts me about at the 95th percentile. 
So that's very high. Um, however, about 20% of the population has an elevated level. So this is not, this is very common. And um, so the CAC scan, um, it wasn't great. You know, you hope at my age, I was 52 at the time, you hope that you'd get a zero. Most, most people have, about, have a zero at that age still. And I had a 35, which, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it certainly, it put me in the, the 74th percentile. I, I was hoping, you know, living as healthy as I thought I had been living, um, I would have been lower than that. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, it shows, you know, some early signs. It's indicative or suggestive of some early signs of heart disease. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go to the slides, Dr. Burr, or if I should just keep going with, with what we did. And Well, why don't we, uh, we're getting a little bit of that echo again. Why, why don't we um, let me cover a little bit of slides, some of the science to help people get a picture of what you're talking about. So, the, you know, the first question is, what is LP little a? It's a large sticky protein made by the liver and found in blood plasma. It's the, a variation of the protein that forms LDL. It consists of an LDL-like particle, ApoB. Uh, but again, like I said before, it's uh, got this little patch of Velcro. It's called, the, each of these is a Kringle repeat. And as I said before, um, there are a couple of mechanisms. Uh, one is that this Kringle repeat makes it sticky. Another is that this, uh, something about this, this part of the protein actually makes, uh, triggers clot formation. Any uh, comments about your own story uh, specific to these two issues, Chuck? Uh, no, not really. That, that's nothing specific. Okay. So, um, as you mentioned, most docs don't know this. They don't, uh, and you asked me what portion of docs, it, and your estimate was like 5%. I would think that's a generous estimate. I mean, even among primary care docs who need to be the, the folks that are aware of things, may not know how to treat everything, but at least can, uh, can find stuff and can, um, uh, can triage it to the correct place. I don't think even 5%, that means one out of 20. Uh, That's probably, probably more like more like cardiology. As far as cardiologists, yeah. it might be more like five percent. I think you're right. Now that would be my guess. It's probably closer to one out of twenty among the cardiology community. But as you know, the rest of the story on this too, and it's like, uh, well, we don't know anything that we can do to fix it. So just tell them to do everything else, and we won't even look. And that's that's why. Most primary care docs, I mean, even more primary care docs are just not aware of it and patients aren't aware of it. Um, let's talk for a minute uh, about some of the risk. So any uh, significant elevation gives you twice to four times the increased risk for cardiovascular disease. Uh, most people, you talked about a range. So um, <clears throat> most people have a range five to 29 in a milligrams per deciliter, and that's uh, 13 to 73 nanomoles per liter. Now, um, the risk, depending on what level of risk you're talking about, starts at uh, that 30 uh, milligrams per deciliter or 75 nanomoles per liter. Uh, and it starts rising much more steeply when you get about just a little bit less than double that, 50 milligrams per deciliter and 125 nanomoles per liter. Um, now let's go back after have, with those numbers in front of us and you tell us a little bit more about your numbers. I think you were saying you got up to a couple of hundred nanomoles, is that correct? Yeah, my, my level was 243 nanomoles and you mentioned um, that it's also measured in milligrams per deciliter. It's really important to understand what you're looking at um, and, and a lot of people, even doctors I've talked to, a lot of them will get this wrong. Yep. And it, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that there's not uniform, you know, uh, measurement used. The conversion factor is approximately 2.5 to one. So yep. it's not an exact figure. It varies person by person, but 
If you take your milligrams per deciliter number, multiply it by 2.5, that would give you an approximation of your nanomoles per liter. And you can back, you know, go backwards. If you're in nanomoles, you could go backwards to look at your milligrams per deciliter by dividing by 2.5, which is important if you're looking at research and trying to understand, you know, if they're talking about milligrams per deciliter and you've got a measurement for yourself that you're looking at nanomoles per liter, you might want to do that little conversion to, to understand relatively where you're at. But yeah, so again, 243 at uh, baseline. And uh, that was um, on a stand. So, so basically, you want me to go on with what I did then to... to sure. My okay, so um, there's a slide. There it is. So th there's a slide... Um, this shows, this was a study published in 2007 um, by Dr. Uh, Samikas and Florian Cronenberg and, and several others. And uh, it showed many things. One of the things they looked at was um, Framingham risk factors graphed against LP little a tertiles. And um, really interesting finding um, to me, this was one of the studies I, I came across early on in my research was that. Um, if you can control your Framingham risk factors, which are, you know, um, your, your weight, your BMI, your blood pressure, your LDL level, whether you smoke or not, whether you have obesity or not, or whether you have uh, diabetes or not. And if you control those, and if you can get, you know, all of the, what, what this graph and what this study suggests, that if you achieve near optimal level for your Framingham risk factors, you can bring your, your uh, even if you have elevated LP little a, you can bring your hazard ratio or your risk, you know, pretty close to the normal population. Might be a little different for someone like me. I'm, I'm This is top tertile. So you're talking about people at 23 milligrams per deciliter and up. I'm four times that. So mm -hmm. I might have a higher, that might not be enough to just control the Framingham risk factors for somebody like me that's, that's, up in the top five percentile, but what it what it suggests to me is that my gosh, and this is why I think it's so important for everybody to know. So, like you, Dr. Burr, you mentioned that a lot of doctors will have this attitude. Well, there's nothing you can do about it, so um, why why measure it? Why test for it? Well, this is a great reason why. If you know that you have something, if you have an an LP little a is an independent risk factor. It's been fully established, settled science that is an independent risk factor. If you know that you have something that might give you three or four times risk of a normal person, you, that might be something that would be highly motivating for somebody to lose that extra 25 pounds or 15 pounds, because there are things that you can do, you know, to, to for most people that have elevated LP little a, there, there probably are things you can do in terms of lifestyle or, or maybe therapeutics that could bring your risk. You know, again, this is based on, um, you know, what, what the studies seem to suggest. You could probably bring your risk. Let's just say you could bring your risk down substantially, you know, and, and possibly close to that of a normal person. So what I did, um, I, I uh, decided that I was going to, you know, lose 25 pounds to try to get to BMI. My target BMI was 24. And, and I was able to achieve that. I had um, sort of borderline hypertension. My, my high end of my blood pressure, I was about 135 over 90. So wonderful thing about losing weight is it just hits so many of the Framingham risk factors. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm now in the target for the BMI. I'm, my blood pressure, when I lost the weight, my blood pressure came down. I'm now 115 over 75 my blood pressure. So that's, that's optimal. Yeah. Um, um, I also, uh, well, you know, the next part of the study was I had to, I had to go on something to, um, lower my LDL, but, but I am now in, in range, ideal range for LDL. And, um, let's see what other risk factors. Um, Oh, Oh, of course. Um, Pre-diabetes. At the time they did all that blood work, one other thing they found was that I had a fasting blood glucose of 108, which mm -hmm. is by definition 
pre-diabetic. So, um, and that's, Dr. Brewer has some, as, as most of you I'm sure know, has some great videos on, um, you know, reversing insulin resistance. And uh, I watched many of those and uh, learned a great deal and uh, cut out all of my uh, processed carbohydrates. I, I eat basically a whole foods plant-based diet, except I do eat um, fatty fish rich in omega-3s. So um, I was able to actually, you know, my blood work, my blood work would now suggest that I've reversed my pre-diabetes. I, my fasting blood glucose has gone from uh, 108 to 93 and my A1C is now 5.0%. So, now, adjusting your volume, I think we're getting that uh, echo back. So, um, do you mind sharing with the with the group how old you are and how old uh, some of your other family members were when they had events? Is that better? It is better. Yes. Look, I think you're on mute. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay. Um, so, um, a, go ahead. Yeah. So, mind? basically, just in controlling the the you know, the other risk factors, my goal was to get all of them um, within range. And then the other part of this that's kind of interesting, a lot of folks are not aware, um, I was on a statin um, before all of this blood work was done and the discovery of the LP little a. And um, it turns out statins for most people, they will actually raise your LP little a. Um, for some people, it's it's five or ten percent, but for some people, um, it's as much as thirty or forty percent. It could be a, a drastic increase. So, um, in consultation with my doctor, um, we decided because I, I wanted we we had a target LDL. We needed to get my LDL down, and we also wanted to get my LP little a down. We decided that the um, the appropriate therapeutic for me would be a PCSK9 inhibitor. And um, in this case, um, Rapatha, which um, works like similar to a statin in, in terms of its effect on LDL. It actually, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Brewer, but I believe it has a, a larger impact on LDL lowering than statin generally. It does. And a lot of people um, who don't tolerate statins, uh, a lot of their in consultation with their doctors will go on PCSK9 if they are not able to get their LDL to target range, or if they're not tolerating statins, it's it's used for that. But another really nice thing is that it happens to lower LP little a as well. So, but before before I went on PCSK9, we washed out the statin. So I went completely off the statin for three months, took another baseline of my um, LP little a. And interesting, I my, my LP little a went down 5% from that. So now it's, it's a little movement, but I'll take it, it's something. Um, the next step, I, I was involved in, um, well, there, there is some anecdotal research out there, some anecdotal evidence that um, omega-3s might, might lower LP little a in some people. And so um, I, I went in consultation with uh, my doctor. I went on um, pretty relatively high dose of omega-3s uh, fish oil, via fish oil supplement. Um, we, we targeted a level of 4,000 milligrams of EPA and um, checked my, my levels again, and it actually lowered it another 5%. So we had a little bit of movement then. Pretty soon after that, I did go on the PCSK9 inhibitor. That's where I got the really big effect. Um, PCSK9 inhibitor actually dropped my LPL delay another 40%. So... I'm now at 131 nanomoles per liter with, with, with mo most of the credit going to PCSK9 inhibitor, which that's still high. You know, if 75 nanomoles is the target range being under that, I'm, I'm still high, but I'm 70% elevated instead of being 330% elevated. And based on the research done, it would seem that I would be at a significantly lower risk or hazard ratio, as you would say, based on my new levels of, um, of LP little a. 
That's very helpful. Let me um, let me talk for a few minutes about some of the things that you've raised. I think. Can you hear me? <clears throat> so the first was the risk or hazards ratio. Yes. Um, in fact, if we could go back and talk a little bit about the um, the uh, image here that we discussed a few minutes ago. This is risk on the left-hand side. For those of you who are confused, it takes a little bit to understand the concepts and what this is actually telling us. This is a, HR stands for hazards ratio, and it's a measurement of risk. If the hazards ratio is one, it's this, the experimental group or the group with LP little a has the same risk as uh, the group without it. Uh, if it's two, this group has uh, double the risk. If it's three, it's triple the risk, four and five, five times the risk. So here's the other thing to think about. This is levels of LP little a. Blue is a level of LP little a, uh, less than 6.9 uh, up to 6.9. Green is 6.9 to 23.8 and um, Pink is 23.8 and above. Now, <clears throat> so as Chuck mentioned, his was like 250, so 10 times that 23.8. Uh, as we've also mentioned, the vast majority of people are in these, these lower ranges. Let's, let's just call Chuck's range more like a world-class range. With folks that have, um, these smaller numbers, 23.8 up to 50, 70, numbers like that, this is what you tend to see. And that's most of the people even in this group, uh, this pink group had those kind of numbers, unless I'm mistaken. Chuck, if, if I am, let, please interrupt and let me know. Just, just one point, um, you were comparing, remember I'm in nanomoles per liter. First of all, I apologize if I was talking over you in that last segment. I That's realized okay. I had you muted. <laughs> so That's okay. I thought something was wrong with the sound on your end, but I accidentally had you guys muted. So I apologize if we, our communication seemed no a little just, just, clear, just clear, clear us up on the units. But yeah, the units. So I'm in nanomoles per liter. And um, this, this study did it in um, milligrams per deciliter. So okay. my level is about four times the beginning point of the top level here being 23. So four times, just four times rather than 10 times. Um, anyway, significant uh, increase. And again, I, I still say that uh, that would put you in more of a world-class uh, number. If you look at um, these, num these units, milligrams uh, per deciliter, um, what is it? Is it something like uh, half or more are at like 30? And then um, once you get to 40, you get, gosh, another major portion of folks. So it's a, it's a skewed curve. And the vast majority of people are going to be, like you said, much, much lower than you. And here's, what's hap here's what happens. Now, <clears throat> I, uh, what happens is if you start uh, managing your blood pressure, your... Uh, insulin resistance, other risk factors, smoking. You start getting down to these, uh, a framing, we're talking about the Framingham, the classic risk factors. Once you start managing those, uh, very significant risk comes back down to very manageable, manageable risk or negligible risk. That leaves, again, those folks that have, again, 100, 200. We've, we've had a couple of people on the, uh, on the show, uh, Joe Riley, I think, said he had like seven or eight hundred, and uh, he did share with us. He had um, aortic valve uh, calcification. You and I talked about aortic valve before the show. We can we can bring that up uh, in a few minutes. But as you said, um, the aortic valve business is something that you're going to see with people that have other um, genetic risk factors and or people like you that have world-class um, problems in terms of LP, little a. So it gets back to the point, and I'll repeat this often. I repeated this uh, for uh, with you in, but prior to the discussion, and that is 
if you manage all of your other risk factors, you do tend to uh, manage LP little a. And you very, uh, you were very gentle, uh, perhaps overly gentle with me to say, what you should have said was, hey, doc, you know, I'm a, uh, a poster boy for world-class levels and we need more than that. Uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. And I think I wanted to bring that up for the audience as well. Again, I'll say multiple times, um, it's the, the the reason that um, most docs have ignored it is number one, we didn't have a treatment for it. And number two, uh, it, it had to do with managing all the other risk factors. I think maybe I've butchered that point up trying to hammer it home. Uh, you have any clarification for me, Chuck? No, I, I think that's, that's very true. Um, you know, people, because that's, that's the big question. You know, um, again, going back to a lot of doctors saying, don't test for it. There's nothing you can do. Well, there is a lot you can do. And controlling your risk factors, we sometimes call those the Framingham risk factors, but controlling your, your cardiovascular disease risk factors, it's, it's important for everybody to do that. But because LP little a is an independent risk factor, it's extremely important for people that have elevated LP little a. I mean, obviously, you're going to get some people in the population that they just say, look, give me a pill. I don't want to change my lifestyle and, you know, see what the pill can do for me. But for those folks that are motivated to try to do what they can to minimize their risk, there, there are a lot of things you can do. And I, you know, I mean, the thing that, that I would want to emphasize where you get so much bang for the buck in, in lowering your risk of LP little a would be um, bringing your, your weight into the optimal range. And that, I think you would probably concur, Dr. Brewer, that for, to control insulin resistance, um, and they're overlapping, obviously, because controlling insulin resistance, you get a lot of bang for the buck there. But when you bring your, your weight down, you, you improve your insulin sensitivity, you, you improve your, your, generally, most people improve their LDL profile, and you also, for a lot of, for I would say for most people, you, you're going to improve your blood pressure. Um, certainly did for me. So you, you get this huge, all these benefits by, by doing that. And of course, you know, things like smoking, you know, please don't smoke. Don't, and one thing I'll point out, I said my grandpa died at age 52. Obviously, I found out at age 52, I was still alive. One difference, he wasn't overweight, but he smoked. Yep. His dad, who died at age 54, he smoked. So, you know, don't smoke. But if you have world-class LP little a, and you have one of these other risk factors, if you smoke, you're you're a ticking time bomb. Am I wrong to say that, Dr. Burr? Not at all. Again, that's the the point that I've tried to make so many times. Um, let, speaking of insulin resistance, let me ask, I don't think you heard me a few minutes ago. Uh, what age were your family members uh, again when they had events? 42 so and 51? Is that what? We, we had, uh, my, my maternal grandfather was 52. His father was 54. And, um, then there was a cousin. So, so the grandfather's cousin was actually 44 when he had an event. So I can tell you this, uh, in my experience, uh, as uh, you know, you're not the only patient that I have with, uh, again, that, uh, pardon the term, maybe it's overused, world-class LP little a. I just don't know another term to use for it. Um, like I've said multiple times, it starts happening at the same age that um, insulin resistance starts happening. And insulin resistance, by the way, starts happening at the same time that we start having blood pressure problems and at the same time that we start gaining weight. So <clears throat> again, you tend to not, um, not see problems when in our 20s and uh, you tend to start seeing problems when our other risk factors uh, start piling up on us. But as you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. as you've said, managing all those other risk factors, being aware of them and dealing with them is not easy. 
Uh, dealing with insulin resistance is not an e easy thing to do. Losing weight is not an easy thing to do until you get the hang of it. But it's very effective at dealing with this risk. Another another thing that you, know, you talk about the, yes, people start having heart attacks when they have elevated LP little a in their 40s and 50s. And that does, it certainly correlates when people start with, when people generally start to develop decent levels of insulin resistance. There's some studies being published showing, um, and if you talk to people who are in the space of um, treating LP little a patients like, like yourself and doctor, talk to, um, if you listen to Dr. Ronald Krauss, he's a, a luminary in the lipidology field. He treats a lot of LP little a patients. He talks about, and I believe he's, he's published a lot about small dense LDL particles. Yep. And he talks about when you get these patients who, you know, of course, LP little a elevation can increase your hazard ratio, you know, three to four times. He, he estimates when you get people that are, have those high levels of LP little a, and then you combine it with small dense LDL, you're talking ticking time bomb, maybe 10 times the, the hazard ratio. And, and it's all overlapping because actually what causes high levels of small dense LDL? High levels of triglycerides. What causes high levels of triglycerides? Insulin resistance and high levels of insulin. Yeah. So it's, it's, you, you start seeing these studies and you start connecting the dots and you realize, boy, I better get my insulin resistance under control. Um, because there, there's so much that uh, there's so many independent risk factors that start working together if you don't start controlling the ones that you can control. Speaking of treatments and risk factors, you didn't mention niacin. Did you ever try that? Niacin? Um, I, I, I take that back. About uh, 10 years ago, I was on niacin for a couple years um to try to lower my ldl and then a doctor told me that a study came out that showed that it doesn't do any good and so um and i think we both know that probably he was reading uh either hp thrive or aim high right uh, on that and um it, there's no i'm i'm uh i'm not currently on niacin but that's that's an interesting topic do you want to talk about that or i've i've had several people uh most of my folks with LP little a do take it and I've had some pretty good results with it. It's certainly something that I would recommend consideration if someone has it. I think the biggest issue that you and I talked about is just the failure of the, um, of the medical community, including the labs to, uh, to screen for this problem. Yeah, now, awareness. Right. And, and you coming on board as a patient um, is very, very helpful to help people begin to uh, be aware and start taking a look. So, Chuck, again, thank you for sharing your story. If you're ready, I'll uh, go into the question and answer session. Just just one more point that I would want to throw out there. You know, we've emphasized the importance of people getting tested and that every everybody should get tested. Um, the, the European Society of Cardiology, or ESC, in 2019 recommended that everybody be tested for LP little a. We are honestly a little, in the U.S., we're a little behind Europe as far as LP little a awareness. Um, but really, that everybody should get tested. And especially if you have a family member who's had a, um, you know, a, a relatively young heart attack or heart event, and another reason, not only because there are certain things you can do in terms of lifestyle and, and you know, perhaps there's some therapeutics that might help, help some. On the horizon, there's some very promising looking therapeutics. And we're talking about things that will reduce LP delay, you know, consistently in the 80% range. And there's, you know, probably we're talking about by 2005, there's going to be maybe one and maybe maybe two or three um, approved. So that's another reason to, to be aware whether you have high LP little leg. Uh, um, if you could adjust the, the volume. So regarding the Europeans, 
Yeah, I agree with them. The other thing uh, I would tell you about the European uh, Standards Committee, they also recommend use of uh, niacin. So again, they have some significant differences uh, with the Americans. And I do both. I, uh, I screen everybody. You know, if you look in most of the American groups, they start saying, well, people that have a family history of early uh, problems, it, people that have a family history of LP little a, just screen everybody. It's not that big of a deal and you just need to know. Um, so again, I would agree with you. I think the Europeans are ahead of us in several places. That one, niacin and a couple of others. Did we want to quickly, I could do my, you know, with, with Repatha or with, with PCSK9, you generally in, inject it twice a month. You want to. Oh, that's that? right. I forgot. You were yeah. going to go ahead and do a, uh, an injection for us. Yeah. So, so um, it, it sounded, you know, at first when I, I found out from my doctor that it's an injection twice a month, um, it didn't sound, you know, something I would really be wanting to do. And um, it turns out it, it's just so simple. I can't even tell you how easy and painless it is. If you've ever pricked your finger, you know, for a blood test or to check, check your blood sugar, I would say it's less painful than that. Your fingers are pretty sensitive. And when you're kind of injecting it into places where you've got some body fat and uh, it tends to, you, you can barely feel it at all. So anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do my injection. It's, it's my, it's time for my, my twice monthly injection anyway. So it comes in a, in a box like like so, and you get two of them per box, and they look like this. Let's see, uh, we can see it. Okay, and uh, you you clean the spot. They they they're really good. It comes with this card that uh, tells you you know all the steps and where you get it prescribed. You you know, for for me, the nurse kind of walked me through my first injection. And that's that's probably a good idea. And they they make it kind of real really foolproof with these cards and so forth. And they, you've got a couple different options. I like in, injecting mine in the stomach. So um, I'll just show everybody how easy it is. Okay, so you take here's the uh, the injector, whatever you call it, <laughs> the device. You take out this red thing in the top. I've already cleaned the spot that I'm going to inject with alcohol. So I'm going to put this. You, Basically, you pinch, pinch an inch, and then you put this yellow part down on there, hold it flush, and I'm going to push the button at the top and then wait for a click. That's it. And really, hardly, hardly felt a thing. I mean, like I said, it, it's less painful than the finger pricks. And that's twice a month. It's that simple. Thank you so much for showing that. I think the um, we'll we'll get a huge increase in our um, in our viewership after having taken a look at that six pack of yours. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. <that>. one pack. <laughs> but as we had discussed, uh, that's a, again a huge service because, um, as you mentioned, the PCSK9s like Repatha, the most popular one, are. are important medications. They're very expensive. Uh, you tend to see them for people with very significant levels of uh, familial hypercholesterolemia. And as you've mentioned, uh, folks with LP little a. And um, it's a, an injection, a self-injection. And it's like, hmm, that really is scary for a lot of people to wrap their head around it. Um, it's not that bad, is it? No, no it's really can hardly feel it at all. It's it's quite simple. Yeah, not bad at all. So Chuck, again, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. It's so different uh, to hear some uh, academic geeky guy, uh, Doc, standing up, showing slides and showing shaky paper and like today, just continuing to struggle with technology. Uh, but to hear a real human story from a real human who's had the problem, is just a whole different ballgame. Well, it's it's been an honor and, and it's been my pleasure to be here and to uh, to share my story. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I think we're going to have some questions that we'll probably need you to respond to. So if you'll if you don't mind sticking around, we would appreciate it. Happy to. Okay. So, John Tocho, good morning. Uh, still waiting for vaccine. 
still uh, will not be vaccinating my mother-in-law uh, senior residents until February 15th. Yep, some of the states are just really slow. I think Minnesota is one of them. Am I taking uh, or am I record? What do I think about ivermectin? I've, I've been taking uh, prophylactic ivermectin. I've given it to a lot of patients. Um, and it, what's an interesting thing, I, I actually uh, made people aware on the videos and I didn't get a lot of takers. Um, you know how people are on YouTube. They heard some of the negative comment. Anyhow, it, people just tend to take things through their filter. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but no, John, I have, uh, I've provided that to quite a few people. Good morning, Aunt Martha. James uh, West's Aunt Martha. Good morning, Bambi. Good to hear from you. Bob Weiss, good morning from Florida. Uh, Bob is usually coming from the North Georgia mountains. Uh, very low carb, less than 55. BMI 22.5. Excellent. Uh, walks for uh, four and a half miles a day. 15 carb meals. No plaque. Very good. Supplements. Uh, what I what can I use to tell me how my pancreas is performing? Insulin survey. Absolutely, an insulin survey. That's you know we we mentioned why not go ahead and do um, LP little A screening on everybody. We do insulin survey on everybody as well. I strongly strongly recommend it. Okay. Um, Bart, good morning. Another great topic. Uh, Gail716, looking forward to this topic. Appreciate having you with us and uh, hope that we uh, and my stumbling around the technology didn't didn't uh, make it too confusing. Again, had a great uh, a great individual uh, patient person tell his uh, great individual story. CoQ10, if you don't take statins. Uh, you could, a CoQ10 is a fairly general uh, type of support for the mitochondria. Uh, the statins tend to stress the mitochondria a little bit. That's why we push for CoQ10. But the reality is I've done a couple of videos on it. When you look at the science behind impact of CoQ10, it's impossible. And until there's some sort of rev uh, scientific revolution or technology revolution in that space, it will always be impossible to tell exactly what CoQ10 is doing. I do take it, by the way, and I do recommend it, especially if you're taking statins. Good morning, James. James and I talked about whether or not James should join us for today, and you know maybe he should have. When I my uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Chuck, but I actually dropped off for a few minutes while you were talking. But again, my uh, hopefully my new computer will fix some of this stuff. But you did a great job. Uh, Vapor King looks fine. Good audio on, on his end. Wow. Okay. Is that bald guy, Joe Rogan? You ever get that, Chuck? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A couple times. I, I always get people that think they recognize me. I, I can see. I can see how they would ask, especially on YouTube. I hope you're, uh, you, uh, you brought your, um, your defenses with you. you obviously did. If you're willing to show us your belly this morning, that was great. <laughs> Martha Wright, uh, James is Martha. If a patient does not have family members who have died early due to heart attacks, should the patient forego the LPA little a testing? Absolutely not. Um, you need to know. That's sort of like saying if you're, if most of your family has uh, lived a long time, should you get uh uh, insulin uh, survey screening. Absolutely. You should get LP little a and insulin survey screening for everybody. And I would recommend both at least yearly. Kirk Wallach, wasn't this, wasn't Linus Pauling the first one to blame LP little a? Any comments on that, Chuck? Um, he did. Yes. I, I don't know if he was the first, but he certainly mentioned it. He had some theories, I believe. Um, I don't know how well it's been supported about vitamin C. He has got a lot of theories about vitamin C. And oh yeah, I think it, some of his stuff might be a little bit getting into the realms of maybe not real well supported, but some maybe is. And um, some people have said to me anecdotally that, well, according to Linus Pauling or some of the research he did, I don't know if this is correct or not, but that uh, if you just take uh, 
a lot of vitamin C, you'll be fine if you have high LP little A. And I, I don't think there's any research supporting that. Yeah, when you look at uh, the falling theory, it, it makes a lot of sense. The problem is, as you said, once you start focusing on the actual scientific evidence, it starts to thin out pretty quickly. <coughs> also, as you said, there's a community that uh, really focuses on it. And some of the guys that are really deep into that community, as you said, just drop everything else and take those one, two, sometimes up to seven grams of vitamin C per day. I don't think that's the best thing to do. You know, I, I first and foremost, I would not ignore uh, insulin resistance. And unfortunately, over 90% of us are doing just that. So <clears throat> greetings from the UK. Greetings to you, Bruce. Uh, Randy Halverson, is LDL, LDL PA on my uh, blood test the same as what we're talking about? Ah, uh, LDL PA. I've never really seen it labeled that way. Maybe a particle test, especially if it's saying 1673. That's their, uh, that's their label for L, LDL particles. Small particles uh, is small, dense particles. Uh, Chuck actually men mentioned those later on. That was LP little a. That might be the highest recorded level. Yeah. So I kind of doubt it. I, I, I think what he's talking about, and he goes on to say also the small uh, LDL particle measures 292. So I think what he's talking about is, fr is his fractionation. And sounds like, that sounds like LDL particle number, just to, as a guess. Correct. The particle number 1673 would probably be a, a typical um, LDL particle number. And then small particle number 292 would kind of be in the range of what you might expect. So some of you may have uh, heard my presentation um, uh, on a getting fairly deep into HDL, LDL and the fractionation. The bottom line is most dogs don't get uh, cholesterol fractionation. That's a problem. They really should. And what it's showing is the specific particle levels. Uh, the large, fluffy LDL particles are probably not dangerous. In fact, they're probably um, helpful to us. Clearly, the large, fluffy HDL particles are um, the most effective in terms of improving our health. It's the small, dense LDL particles that cause significant danger to us. And if you're not getting a clarity on that with your cholesterol test, you should. Uh, that could be a pattern A. Yeah, it sounds like it is a pattern A with a fairly low um, LDL, um, small dense. Uh, and pattern A is good. Pattern A is a pattern that, which has more of the larger, fluffier, and less of the small dense. I don't know, Google it. Uh, the more I learn, the more. <laughs> well, Roscoe, I'm sorry that you got confused. Uh, unfortunately, I tend to stutter and stammer around sometimes and help uh, help the process of getting confused. Uh, Chuck, I think, did a much better job today. Thanks. I do keto. Never had high LDL until I did it. My dad died of heart disease at 54 and heart attack at 34. You know, Randy, um, you may want, I would suggest you see somebody that knows a little bit about uh, cholesterol fractionation, knows a little bit about familial hypercholesterolemia, knows a little bit about LP little a, because you know, when you've got a history of uh, a father dying at age uh, 54 and a heart attack at 34, something else is going on. Those are two of the more common things that happen. Um, I would, I would get checked out uh, specifically for those two things in addition to that uh, pre-diabetes. T-bone, LP little A5, uh, 33. He's got some uh, interesting levels there, don't you think? Yeah, and I, I'm assuming that's almost certainly in the nanomoles per liter. That would be, you know, one-tenth of one percentile if that was milligrams, I yeah. think. So. T-Bone. Oh, thank you for the um, for the super chat. 533 with uh, PCSK9. Interesting. That's really high. It really, really high. is. 
really high. Uh, Gail, 7616, Chuck, what, is your, what was your LDL prior to this and how does ApoB levels foretell a high level of LP little a? I'll take the second one if you want to take the first. Yeah, I'll take the first one. Um, yeah, so my my LDL level throughout my life it's varied quite a bit. I, I'm one of these people. I'm a high responder when it comes to diet. I've got reports from back when I was in my 30s when I maybe was eating a few too many cheeseburgers and French fries, where I was cl close to the FH level. I was about 160 my LDL level. But personally, when I eat um, you know, predominantly whole foods, plant-based, a little bit of fish. Um, you know, I can get down to, it really varies a lot, but you know, in the 90 to hundred range. And when you have high LP little a, generally they like, you know, your, your doctor will generally like to have a target, assuming he's LP little a literate would, would generally have a target quite a bit lower than that. You have any comment, Dr. Burr, about a good LDL target for a person who's at high risk for LP little a. Well, the the goal keeps getting lower. It was 120 for a while, then 100, and then uh, 70. But again, I think a lot of us are, and myself included, are less concerned about uh, LDL overall because there's a lot of people. Uh, have you heard the term uh, lean mass hyperresponder, Chuck? Yes. So. Um, a lot of people are lean mass hyperresponders. I think there's a significant overlap between the uh, lean mass hyperresponder pool and the uh, the FH familial hypercholesterolemia pool. Um, oh, you, by, by the way, just to kind of follow up with that, with on on uh, PCS can I inhibitor my my LDL is down in the 50s range. So um, I'm it's you know it's certainly below target. So just a couple of quick definitions, um, FH, familial hypercholesterolemia. It's people that tend to have, uh, Chuck mentioned that he was getting close to that FH level with an LDL of 160. Um, anytime, if you get a LDL anytime, especially on, on statins, but anytime of 180 or above, you're very likely to have what's called uh, familial hypercholesterolemia. The reality is about one in 200 people have that. And the genetics are, there are about 2000 at this point discovered and defined SNPs or genetic variations that cause this problem. About 98, 99% of them are uh, problems that cause dysfunction in our liver's ability to uh, burn the LDL. Uh, the the cholesterol in the LDL, so it keeps piling up. Um, the other thing, the, a related question was um, APOA1 or, or APO. No, she's asking about APOB. So as you remember, the cholesterol in HDL and the cholesterol in LDL, for the most part, is the same. So why do we call these things different particles? While you were talking, I was start I was I started to go in and try to find a a slide which shows an image, but I'm not going to be able to do that. The bottom line is the difference between HDL and LDL besides size and density is the protein that forms it. The for, the protein that forms HDL whether it's a large HDL or small HDL, is ApoA1. The protein that forms LDL, whether it's small dense LDL, small LDL, um, large fluffy LDL, that protein is uh, ApoB. So it's a great question. Uh, Gail, uh, 716, thank you so much for asking it. Let's run through some, some others. We've uh, as you've, uh, as you and I have discussed, Chuck, we we might need to have you back to tell a little bit more about the uh, the bicuspid valve and some of those other things. Happy, happy to, yeah. Uh, Kirk Wallach, Randy Halverson, watch Ivor Cummins. It's not always nothing, but usually LDL going high. Check out Dave Feldman. Dave Feldman talks about this lean mass hyper responder. 
A lean mass hyperresponder is somebody whose uh, who's LDL tends to stay within normal ranges and then until they go on a low carb diet, then the um, LDL starts shooting way up. <clears throat> Dave Feldman, by the way, will say that uh, FH folks are not lean mass hyperresponders. I think the problem, I, I would disagree because I've got a lot of that uh, in my patients and I see significant overlap. I think maybe the problem is um, it's not a hundred percent overlap. And I think the problem might be, like we said, there's about 2000 different variations of FH. Hoverson, I'm slim, 5'3", 113. Well, you're doing a lot already to, to uh, take care of yourself. Uh, you and you're probably an athlete at some point. You get good, good ketones at the beginning, but now your ketones stay close to the 0.5. Any comments before I move on? Unless you fast. It sounds like these guys are having a conversation. Zero proof that high HDL alone is, ca is causal or increases your risk. Not sure where, um, where he got that. I, neither one of us would say that. In fact, high HDL tends to be protective. In fact, there's only one situation where high HDL may be a problem, and that's where you, you see HDLs like 110, 120. In those cases, it appears that there's, there is a, a syndrome, there is a, a condition where you have ineffective HDL, and your body continues to make more and more of it. Um, but that's really uncommon to the extent of being pretty rare. I do have 18.6 eating for the most part. Uh, I bet your LDL to Triggs is nice. Ketones. Let me see what else we have here. Are you able to see the comments on your side, Chuck? Yes, I can see them. I'm it looks like Kirk and Rand pull them up on the screen. I can see them as you're pulling them up. Oh, okay. Looks like Kirk and Randy are having a conversation. I'm trying to see if there's anything else we need to respond to. And Samson, I brought all my Framingham risk factors under control. PCSK9 is very expensive, isn't it? Uh, any any questions about or any comments about expense uh, on your side, Chuck? Well, yes, it is expensive. Um, it, it was very expensive when it first came out. I think it was about $14,000 per year. Um, now it, it's more in the range of I would say about $6,000 a year, you know, five to $6,000 per year. And um, insurance sometimes covers it. it. You know, if you talk to doctors, it can be tricky to get insurance to cover it. Um, they, but, but they are covering it more and more as I understand it from hearing from doctors, they're, they're, they're covering it more and more. It's just kind of tricky. And if you have to pay out of pocket, it is quite expensive. It is. And uh, usually the insurance companies will want to see some verification that A, uh, you do have the genetic test showing FH or significant <clears throat> LP little a value, or, uh, and sometimes both, but, uh, or that you've tried statins. Because most of the folks, even with FH, that, uh, that try statins do get a significant improvement in their LP. As far as I'm aware, I believe the FDA has not approved it. If you're just targeting LP little a alone, I do not believe the FDA has approved PCSK9 inhibitor. Um, they want it, it's basically approved to target um, FH. Right. And like you said, when, when, when statins aren't working and then LP little a is a nice side effect. But, you know, it, it's, <laughs> you may get even more benefit in terms of lowering hazard ratio from the lowering of uh, LP little a. Yep. <clears throat> so easy. I want to get a, a thorough heart check. Where do you go? We, we do that for a living easy call uh, Michelle at 859-721-1414. That's 859-721-1414. OSBC. Magnesium. Yeah. All of us are almost all of us are uh, deficient of magnesium and yes, uh, we all should be supplementing magnesium. Um, is Rapatha just for the combo of high cholesterol and high? Uh, well, we, we've talked about that. We've covered it. Uh, heart attack 10 years prior and have been studying since. Low fat for me. Subsequent gallbladder issues. 
focusing on uh, bitter greens and circadian rhythm and sunshine. Have PMT snip, which affects the consistency. So consistency can be too thick. Heterogeneous for factor five leading. That's a very interesting thing. The, the first time we discovered uh, factor five, or when we discovered factor five lead, factor five leading is a clotting um, genetic variation. It affects your uh, clotting and can cause a, a slight uh, but significant increase in clotting. I've got a few of those patients. Um, and so therefore it's a heart attack risk. Uh, so again, D, similar to LP little a, similar to the other things that we see, heart attack and stroke are really a, a risk, multiple risk factors piling on you type of thing. And uh, first, of, first and foremost, you wanna make sure that you don't also have LP little a or FH or some of these other problems. Thank you for sharing that. Lumbokinase, natokinase. Uh, <clears throat> I have, I've done that. I've from the lumokinase, natokinase, both um, appear, they're, they're sort of like the vitamin C thing. The logic behind those is great. However, when you actually start dealing with looking at the science, looking at the evidence, not quite as good as we would hope, at least none that I've seen. I'd love to be corrected on it, and I'm sure I will be. Steve Mitchum, I have FH. My blood pressure and sugar are fine when I'm lean, but when I gain even a little weight, they both skyrocket. That's a great, a great comment to cap the day off. It's like a general theme. Uh, if it's one, uh, it tends to be another and another and another, and it starts dogpiling on our heart and making, or our vessels, our arteries, and making it very hard for them. So again, we've had some uh, tech challenges again today. We're, we're going to continue to work on those, clean those up. Chuck, I can't tell you again how much I appreciate you uh, showing up. You, we only scratched the surface on several parts of your story, even though we've been going for over an hour now. Um, thank you again. My, my pleasure. And uh, if, if you want to have me back at some point in the future, I'd be happy to join you again. We will do that. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Brewer. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at prevmedhealth.com. To learn more, watch our videos on YouTube at Ford Brewer MD MPH. Thank you very much for your interest.